You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? (laughs) We've got The Cure, three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Little fellow, you must have given up the hope of living. Uh Uh-uh. On the contrary, I do not let the word death bother me. Same here, baby. Then what are you waiting for? Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality. I am Jeff and I'm going to be your host today. Joining me in the studio for our ever-popular game of death are Neil, Ken, and Matt. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing all right. Great. Matt Matt (laughs) is here. Uh, He is not missing, but he's uh, in the corner kind of floating ethereally. He's off mic right now as we only have uh, four (laughs) microphones and we have Greg here in the studio. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. Greg's an old buddy of uh, mine and Jeff, and uh, he knows the other Triviality fellas here as well. But uh, we're happy to have you in for a game of death. Yeah, thanks, guys. I occasionally just join them at Bar Trivia, and uh, I don't feel like I ever really help them out. But um, (laughs) maybe today I will show them that I actually know a few things. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Greg, for the listeners. Um, So... I'm a full-time student graduating um, in about a few weeks, which is pretty exciting. So from not studying the books, this is kind of an opportunity for me to uh, go through my uh, random trivia <laughs> knowledge, see if I ever, if I know anything else. Yeah, we're, Greg's usually the one that we call if we have some sort of weird medical issue, uh, dot, you know, wart, uh, something else that, that uh, one of us gets and we ask him what it is. <laughs> yeah, I saw him hey Greg, can checking you, you for... Take a look at this. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Please um, put your pants back on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. I get to learn a lot about my friends in weird ways. <laughs> so, well, thank you for joining us in the studio. Um, so, as always with our game of deaths, we're going to be doing uh, four rounds, five questions each, and they will go topic um, to host, uh, and then Greg will get his chance to turn the tables. The swing round will be five points apiece for Team Triviality. And 10 points apiece for all of Greg's questions. And then we'll go through the final categories. uh, And Greg gets to pick topics from there. So you guys ready to start? Let's do it. All right. Level one. Ken. No, I'm I'm the the meek level one (laughs) competitor. (laughs) History, arts, that kind of stuff. Random knowledge. These are are Ken's topics. Question one. What religion did Mary Baker Eddy found? Hmm. So the name doesn't ring a bell for me. Um, it does sound either English or American, though. Okay, I'm in. 
How are you feeling on this one, Greg? Uh, not too good. I'm just, you know, it's a really like English sounding name. So I'm just trying to think of like a lot of traditionalist or like Catholic based religions. So I just kind of went through a bunch of them and was able to cross out a few that I can with pretty good confidence say are not from this person. What was the name again? <laughs> Mary Baker Eddy. Yeah. Okay. All right, I have an answer in. Yeah, I'm going with the denomination of uh, Christianity, and I'm saying uh, Jehovah Witness. Okay. Oh, that's probably a better guess than mine. And what I, did you guess, Greg? I just said evangelical. So uh, she is the founder of Christian Science. Ooh. <laughs> is that like the Christian Science Monitor or whatever? Yes. Okay. Yep, that is exactly what it's like. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. There's, I know there's a lot of stores everywhere that you want to walk into and grab a book. I do not, but more power to everyone else who does. <laughs> Question two, uh, before the 12th Amendment was passed in 1804, how was the vice president determined? Okay, I think I'm good on this one. Yeah, I, I'm in. Okay, uh, what did you say on this one, Ken? Uh, it was the candidate with the second most, uh, you know, votes. What do you say on that I one, I said the exact same thing, the candidate with the second most votes. That is correct. Second uh, person with the second most electoral votes became vice president. Nice. So we're starting out with a tie, Greg. Let's do this. I don't know if my, my category is really my category anymore. <laughs> right. This is because Neil gets all the film questions. So, Like I've known you for so many years, Ken, and we've never sat down and talked about like Christian science, <laughs> religions, or anything well, like this that. Is, I mean, this is more contemporary American history. So. Well, if you have a few moments, you can step into my office and I can talk to you about Christian science. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> Question three. As of November 15th, 2017, what Leonardo da Vinci painting is now the most expensive painting ever sold? Yeah, I... Oh, I remember I hearing this. about this, yeah. I saw it, and I know what the painting is of. Okay, I'm in. Okay. Yeah, I'm in as well. All right. Uh, Greg, what did you say on this one? So, I can't picture what it is, um, and I know it's not the Mona Lisa but I don't know, maybe just some random chance that it's correct. So I just went with Mona Lisa. Okay. Ken. So, um, yeah, I saw this. The painting is of Jesus, and I think it translates to the Savior or something like that. Um, and in Italian, I put La Savior. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I probably would have given you full points uh, if most if the all of the English translation was there. It's Salvatore Mundi, which would be mm. Savior of the World. Okay, that's fair. I was mostly there. Right. Question four. This ancient Egyptian city shares its name with a U.S. city in which Martin Luther King Jr. was shot. I'm in. I figured you might. Given me geography, though. (laughs) It's light light geography. Yeah, I figured you'd get it from the historical. So. Oh, this is driving me. This is driving me crazy that I don't know this. I'm, like, trying to look at it from both perspectives of, like, an ancient city and... uh, all right, I'm just going to, I'm in, I'm going to pass. Okay, no answer from Greg? Yeah, no answer. What did you say on this one, Ken? This would be a place where you might want to walk, walk around. Uh, it's Memphis. It is Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> Matt over there in the corner, uh, what a good joke, walking around. <laughs> uh, maybe you could channel the uh, U2 song about the shooting uh, shots rang out in the Memphis sky, mm. so... And the fifth question, final question for Ken on level one. 
This president oversaw the purchase and annexation of Alaska from Russia. Critics of the purchase called it Seward's folly after his Secretary of State, William Seward. I am in. Uh, this was a previous trivia question. Was it one that we asked? I think a long time ago. But it was one that I asked. Oh, could have been. So it's something I happen to uh, know, as it's kind of bizarre. I have a bad guess. I'm in. Okay. Craig, what is your bad guess? LBJ. Okay. And Ken, what did you say? It's a little late for the purchase and annexation, but uh, yeah, the I... answer is Andrew Johnson, surprisingly. It is surprisingly Andrew Johnson. What year was that? That was 1867. Oh, I was thinking like it was like... Alaska became a state in 1959, mm-hmm. which would have been two presidencies before LBJ. Okay. So I think I was thinking the 50s, but I wasn't... Okay. Yeah. 59 is when it became a state. Okay. So. All right, so Ken racks up 30 points in that round, and Greg puts up 10. I think that's the, Ooh, first, that's the first time I've actually won my round. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true. <laughs> I don't know how I should feel about that. Check, check, testing. Matt is back in the saddle. All right, question one on level two with Matt. There are only two days in which you cannot watch one of the big four professional sports play a game. The day before and the day after what event? So this is to say that there are professional sports 363 days a year. Professional sports. Uh, of the big four, yeah. The big yeah. four, okay. I'm yeah. locked in. So not MLS. These are the two saddest days to watch SportsCenter because they're really stretching for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they just use kind of LeVar Ball for yeah. everything now. So what do you think, Greg, since you think you got it? I would say uh, the day that falls between the two days is New Year's Day. Okay. Ooh, no, they play uh, hockey games on New Year's Day now, and all of, so they do that. Um, so what? So what day, Matt, separates the day before and the day after so where there are no sports? So you would think it'd be in the summer because there's no football, basketball, or hockey, and they take a three-day break for the MLB All-Star Game. So the answer is the MLB All-Star. So game. the day before and the day after the MLB All-Star Game, there mm-hmm. are no professional sports played in the Big Four. So. Mm-hmm. Matt will be getting points on that one. I was I... trying to think like Thanksgiving, no, Christmas, no, right, Halloween, right. no. And I was trying to think it was around like a major national holiday. Um, like it's not Veterans Day, Memorial Day. Uh, New Year's for some reason was just the only thing that was really sticking. Yeah, got... I wasn't thinking of like a sports event. You got stuck on holidays and then yeah. you didn't get off. <laughs> yeah. I see where you're coming from there. I tried to, because th- I know hockey and baseball, I mean, hockey and basketball are at the same time. So I tried mm-hmm. to think of like the sport that was outside it. So baseball, right. but. I couldn't think of like any specific date in baseball. No. All right. On to question two. In professional basketball, the ball was put back into play following every basket by what means until 1936? Well, I don't remember that particular season. So You don't? You don't remember the, the like 35, 36 yeah. season very well? <laughs> Those Rochester Royals. Jeez. Uh, All right. I have an idea. I'm in. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, I don't know this one. Greg, with an idea, what'd you say, Greg? Uh, just because it seems like there always is kind of changes in this specific category with like the way it's been done um, in basketball, I'm just gonna go say uh, a jump ball. Okay, Matt, what did you say? Oh, that sounds right. Uh, I just said that they just had to dribble it in. 
Uh, so Greg will be getting points on this. Every single inbounds play was a jump ball. I cannot imagine that right 1936. now. No. That would be the worst <laughs> sport ever. Imagine after the Warriors scored 140 on the Bulls, how long that game was. <laughs> <laughs> There's a jump ball after every basket. Oh, my oh God. that's unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can kind of see why they, uh, they may have decided to change that ruling. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Question three. Which of the four major sports franchises in the U.S. has the most three-peats? That is to say, three consecutive championship series won by the same winner. Hmm. Does six in a row count as two three-peats? <laughs> I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I don't think it does. Okay, then it's So not. it has to be just three, and then they don't win it the next year. So like, if they won well, four I think, in a row... I think the way it goes is three-plus. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm locked in. I don't know how many three-peats there have been in hockey, though. Cause like, but I know the hockey league has been around longer than basketball. Hockey night. I, I'm trying to think, like, maybe in the early years, if there were a few teams. Okay, I, I'm uh, I'm in. All right. Okay, uh, what did you say on that one, uh, Matt? So when I asked about the three-peats, um, we I know we were both thinking Boston Celtics. Yeah, when you said won, six straight. Yeah. yeah, so they won eight in a row, I think. So that would technically be two three-peats. Um, but I went with the team that has the most championships, just assumed that they would probably have the most three-peats, and went with the New York Yankees. I'm looking for the league. So you're saying the MLB? Yeah, the MLB. Okay. Oh, wow. I was thinking exactly the Yankees, too, and was thinking Major League Baseball. All right. So um, by my math here, I've got that the uh, NFL has had zero. Yeah. There was so. one pre-NFL. Uh, that would be the Browns had four in a row. I didn't think it was football. No. They've never had a three-peat since becoming the NFL. It's totally going to be hockey. Um, the Major League Baseball Association has had seven. Mm-hmm. The NHL has had nine. And the NBA has ten. I completely I was thinking about the question, question wrong. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about the individual team, and I now, thought we had a name. Yeah, no, because <laughs> like the Bulls had two, like Boston had probably three or four. Right. Yeah. So sorry about that. No, it's okay. All right. At least we both got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both thought of it the same wrong way. Perfect. All right. Uh, keeping it in the family, this famous NFL quarterback played for BYU in college. His great 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 grandfather bears the school's namesake. Got it. Okay, I'm in. All right, what'd you say on that one, Greg? Brigham Young. Okay, so Brigham Young is the school BYU. Yeah. So who is the famous NFL quarterback who would be the great-great-grandson of that person? Oh, Steve Young. Okay, Steve Young. And what'd you say, Matt? I also said Steve Young. It is Steve Young. Yeah. Yeah. So funny enough, Steve Young, related to Brigham Young, didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. (laughs) I actually thought that the player was the name of the school, and I was just like, uh, Brigham Young, because I know the name of BYU, and you're right like, now. yeah, well, who was his great-grandson? And I was just like, uh, yeah. well... Vince Young? No, Vince yeah. Young. Not, a, a not at BYU. <laughs> great joke. Uh, question five. As promised, a hockey question. Mm-hmm. This NHL player, named as one of the 100 greatest players of all time by the NHL in their 100th season was also a great entrepreneur, lending his name to what would become Canada's largest fast service company. If what I wrote down is right, I did not know he was a hockey player. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my answer's in. 
My answer is, uh, like, right, can Matt, I go first? Matt, who do you think is not a hockey player? Uh, Mr. Tim Horton. <laughs> okay, and Greg? <laughs> that is exactly what I have. Yeah, no, Tim Horton was a hockey player. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I just thought he was a coffee magnet. He was I'm a, actually learning a lot today. He was a very <laughs> successful hockey player. Well, there we go. Uh, Stan yes, Stan's Donuts. Is this a Tim Hortons coffee I'm drinking right now, Neil? Uh, it is It is not. It's it w- uh, a blend from uh, Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> Which we'll name with the, with the cash. cash That's right. <laughs> yeah. We're holding the name at ransom. Uh, we're big coffee drinkers, so if any of you coffee brands out there want to be uh, you know, mentioned on this podcast, just let us know. Um, so, no, um, Tim Horton actually uh, died while he was still a player. Um, mm-hmm. He had started some businesses on the side with um, all of the money he had made. And uh, he was given uh, a car called a Di Tommaso Pantera as a way to attract him to playing for the um, Buffalo Bill or the uh, Buffalo Sabers. And he crashed in on his way home and died, unfortunately, oh, him and his that's wife. So, sad. so he was forty-four. That's terrible. All right. So going through uh, the first half of the game here, looks like Team Triviality has sixty points and Greg has forty points. So pretty even so far. All right. So for our swing round today. Uh, it's going to be pretty straightforward. All I'm looking for is, according to The Atlantic in a November 2013 issue, uh, what they considered to be the top 10 greatest inventions of all time. Can I ask a question? Sure. Now, when you say an inventions, is it under their description that like this like infrastructure idea would be an invention, like, like modern plumbing? Like, Is that like an idea, or is it just like an, like an individual item? They tend to focus on um, single breakthroughs or standalone inventions, so not typically large-scale ideas. Do you want to go in the other room, Greg, or would you rather be in here with headphones on? Uh, I'll go in the other room. Okay. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances— I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Things done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside 
The Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Uh, There's some on there that are a little strange. Like, I know right off the bat, I believe maybe number one is, or one of the top is Printing Press. Yeah, Printing Press, I would definitely put as one. Television. Television, right? Smartphone. Ooh. Or would it just be mobile phone? Let's just do mobile phone. Uh, Personal computer. PC's got to be... Probably. Um, let's think. Um, uh, like, what about the the dishwasher or mm. washing machine? No, no, no. Okay. No one cares about it. <laughs> <laughs> I care uh, about it. I'm glad it was invented. Automobile. Uh, yeah. Or no, is it the automobile or is it the combustion engine? Oh, combustion engine makes all that possible. Antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Vaccine probably wouldn't be in there, right? Uh, antibiotics. I mean. No. That's different. Okay. Do both. I don't think they'd both be in the top 10. I think they would. What about sliced bread? It's the greatest thing. You're going to call me crazy, but cotton gin? It always bizarrely comes up in these lists, and you think, like... What about the atomic bomb? Is that... That's important, yeah. I mean... All right. You just want to go with these 10? Yeah. All right. Just for the record, I forgot what I said. Washing machine... No washing machine. Dishwasher. And uh, I forget the other one I said oh, out loud. Oh, you want to be right about? No, just that I know that I, at least I said out loud. All right. So Greg has joined us back in the studio. Triviality has had its chance to discuss what they think the, the 10 greatest breakthroughs. Uh, the Atlantic published a list of 50, by the way, but we're just doing the top 10. And uh, so now I'm going to let both teams run through their lists, and I will run through the Atlantic's list, and we will see what they got. Uh, so I didn't know how the Atlantic would do this. I mean, considering what I do for work, um, I obviously have a lot of bias where, where I think a lot of like revolutionary changes happened mm-hmm. in terms of inventions. But um, for my list, I have the steam engine. I have uh, capsuled medications, so like something like antibiotics. Uh, the internet. Um, but with that, I kind of was like, connected with internet slash electronic products again i didn't know how detailed they wanted to be like just like the advancements in computer technology i got you yeah if there are any questions that arise um because i think there might be a few we'll go through them so so i went with just the modern clock um television appropriately radio the airplane a light bulb um paper but i had that combined with like the printing press and then an MRI machine. Okay. All right. So I've got your list. And Triviality, what did you say? All right. So we uh, went with the printing press, uh, television, internet, mobile phone, personal oh, computer, phone. combustion engine, antibiotics, vaccines, the atomic bomb, and a cotton gin. All right. So uh, it might be easier for me if you just score yourselves on this, but I'll double check. The combustion engine—that's a good one. Man, I didn't even think of that. I'm like, gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go ten to one on this. So this will kind of give you an idea about what they're thinking. Number ten, the steam engine. Mm. So a nod to Greg on that one. Number nine, the internet. All right. Both teams will be getting points. Number eight, vaccination. All right. Number seven. The internal combustion engine. Both of them are up there. Number six, paper. Number five, optical lenses. 
Mm. Oh, wow. That seems obvious. Now. Number four. It's right, the answer is right in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> he wears gloves. Literally. I, I like that I mentioned that medicine was going to give me an advantage, and I didn't think of optical lenses or vaccinations. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, semiconductors or semiconductor electronics. Mm. Number three, penicillin. Specifically yeah, okay. penicillin. So um, I don't know how to rule on the antibiotics one. That was the first. Yeah, it's just yeah, the first one. Okay, but then I'm good giving you for that. Because if I asked for specificity, you probably would have said. If I said be more specific, you probably would have picked it. So that's yeah, fine. If I had to pick one. Yeah. Uh, number two, electricity. Oh. Just a breakthrough. Oh. It exists in the world, but we didn't really find it for a while. I said light bulb, <laughs> but I didn't think that far back. And number one, hailing from 1430, oh, the printing press. press. All right. Hmm. So I'll just run down the rest of the list here so you guys get an idea about what you may or may not have missed out on. Um, I didn't want to go any longer because I know a couple of these you definitely wouldn't get. Great ideas all around, though. Um, nitrogen fixation is number 11. So the Haberbosch process. Yeah, for like, yeah. It's, just, it's putting nitrogen in the soil. So uh, it like it's, helps crops grow. It's the chemical way to actually make ammonia synthetically. Oh, okay. um, and then they can use it to make synthetic fertilizers, which have actually probably saved more people then um then it actually killed then then it killed yeah yeah <laughs> for bombs i've heard about that yeah. uh number 12 sanitation systems which mm-hmm. at plumbing would have been one yeah uh 13 is refrigeration 14 gunpowder 15 airplane pc comes in at 16 the compass 17 the automobile 18 19 is industrial steel making and number 20 the pill ah hmm. so it was on there all right, so in the swing round, Team Triviality got five right out of ten, adding 25 to their score. Greg got four, but he'll be getting 40 because of the double points. So moving out of the swing round, it'll be Team Triviality, 85 with a narrow lead over Greg with 80. All right. All right, so we're going to be moving on to the third tier of the Pagoda. This will feature Neil with his knowledge of film, mostly. <laughs> Greg, you're pretty familiar with films and that stuff uh i would say i am a film snob but <laughs> probably not to the extent where i actually remember no. <laughs> everything that i would for like the benefit of a trivia all right so the first question is uh, i'm looking for the title of the movie uh so it's this stanley kubrick film spent one million dollars or 55 percent of its budget paying one actor okay i'm in so I was writing down all of his movies and I, I was going to go through all of them and I, I wrote down, I don't know, like six or seven. So I didn't want to like go through all of them, like Full Metal Jacket. I don't think Matthew Modine is getting a million dollars, nor is uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, I, I took out Lolita, uh, Clockwork Orange. Uh, I didn't think Malcolm McDowell would get a million dollars for that. So I was kind of whittled down to three movies. Um, one was Spartacus, which kind of wasn't his movie. It was more Kirk Douglas's movie, but I could see in the 1960s that if it had a, a budget at the time would have been $2 million. Kirk Douglas was a producer of it. So I'm leaning towards that. Um, I have the shining, which I feel like it had a bigger budget than $2 million, but if it didn't, the biggest actor on this list would probably be Jack Nicholson in his prime. He would have gotten a million dollars. And then the third film sort of in a uh, dark horse called Barry Lyndon, uh, which starred Ryan O'Neill, but he had a lot of trouble making that movie because it was a period piece um, that shot in available light and uh, no one really wanted to fund it. For the hell of it, I'm going to go Spartacus. Okay, and what were your thoughts on this one, Greg? So I tried to think of it like just going through his movies. I thought Full Metal Jacket, The Shining, um, is it Path of Glory? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah so and i just know that it just from like remembering watching those movies they're all like they seem big budget and in terms of a movie where i would think most of the budget would have to go to one actor i thought of like a like a movie that would be have more like isolated scenes in one area and i kept thinking of the big table in dr strangelove so i don't know the name of the actor but just based on the production that i think that's my guess where like an actor got most of the budget um so very famously about this movie um Kubrick said uh, that he got three actors for the price of six. So that would be Dr. Strangelove. Nice. Yeah. He was paid uh, one million of the $1.8 million budget Peter Sellers was. When you said three actors for the price of six, I was like, are you going to say 2001? Because there's like three people in that movie. No, no. He's talking about the multi-roles that Peter Sellers played. So, And um, apparently it doesn't seem like he was very pro paying him that much money, but (laughs) 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 From from the line there, but... So yeah, no, it was it was Doctor Strangelove. All right, question two: What is the only non-Western animated film to win an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature? Mm. You know this one, Ken? Oh yeah. Yeah, this this could have been in Ken's I'm round. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What did you say on that one, Greg? Uh, I went with the. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, I'm fairly confident it's the right answer. It's Spirited Away. And Neil? I went with Spirited Away. Yeah, that would be 2001, Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away. I think a lot of us at Mr. More fans of <laughs> his. Was that 2002? Was that the year that... Uh, I believe 2002 was the year He didn't one. show up because of the invasion of Iraq? Correct. Yeah, yeah he didn't show up in protest. But it's the only uh, non-Western animated film, which I was kind of surprised to find that out. All right, question three. Which Bond actor wore a wig in every single one of his Bond portrayals? I'm in. Okay, I'm in. Okay. Well, what did you say on this one, Greg? So you said several, several like Bond roles, and like I don't know. I said every single appearance. Every single appearance. Okay, um, doesn't really change my answer. So I think I know who it is because I can sort of picture him, but I don't know his name. So I have to go with Sean Connery. But I think it's the actor that's in Hot Fuzz that is Timothy Dalton. Yeah, I think it's him. Would you rather go with Timothy Dalton? I can give you the name. That's fine. Uh, you feel so confident about it that now I'm pretty sure it's not the answer. <laughs> so yeah, just because that's who I was thinking, I'll say Timothy Dalton. Okay. This is when you go, yeah, it's Sean Connery. Sean Connery? <laughs> yeah, it's Sean Connery. Uh, <laughs> is it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. You've got to be kidding me. No. No, I am bald? not. Huh? Uh, was he already bald at the time? Yeah, he's always, yeah, he's always kind of been bald. Yeah. I can't believe you literally made me change my answer to the wrong answer. <laughs> I got manipulated. <laughs> yeah. Chest hair is real, but the hair on his head is not. You said Sean Connery, didn't you? Yeah, but I changed my answer to Timothy Oh, Dalton. you did? Yeah. Oh, officially? I don't know. Can we... How oh, are it we worked then. My, my plan worked then. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if I could have technically actually picked him because I didn't know no, his name. No. But... So I think we, we have to default to the fact that you didn't know the answer and you said Sean Connery, right? He, I mean... He was locked in with Sean Connery, okay. to be honest. Yeah, I was just messing yeah, around. We're That's good. fine. Oh. That's why I wrote 10 on your thing, giving you credit for it. But hey, also I'll, I'll take the points. So, all right. <laughs> so far, so good. Question four in Neil's round. This Whitney Houston film also has the top-selling soundtrack of all time. I'm locked in. Selling 17 million copies. Yeah. I'm in. Okay. Well, that was an easy one. Greg, what'd you say? The Bodyguard. Neil? The Bodyguard. Yeah, The Bodyguard. No one's going to sing it? I'm not even going to try. I don't think anyone should actually try. I found out that the Space Jam soundtrack is only sextuple platinum and is like number 13 on the list of bestsellers. Everybody get up. (laughs) That one will sing. Oh, it's the R. Kelly song because that was 
everyone's graduation song that year. I oh believe. my god, I believe I can fly. Yeah, oh, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> it was either I believe I can fly or Good Riddance by yeah. Green Day. That's right. I saw him perform that, was like that 10 song years. live at Bonnaroo, and it was his closing song. And it R. was Kelly. Yeah, and he was, it was at Bonnaroo. It was absolutely. <laughs> he came in on a crane, like from behind the stage, but it wasn't like dark yet. On a bird? So no no <laughs> no there was a crane behind the stage that like lifted him up and hoisted him and lowered him like in front of the crowd and he opened with remix to ignition and he was wearing a white suit so yeah. we can all literally see him standing behind the stage like getting hoisted up by the crane <laughs> so it was like not that epic of an entrance but I believe I can fly was awesome <laughs> question five what two fictional characters are hidden as an Easter egg in the hieroglyphics of the film Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is a question that Neil 100% will get, and I have no idea. Uh, no, I 100% know one of them, and I'm I'm pretty sure on the other one. All right, I have a guess. Okay. And what did you uh, what did you say on this one, Greg? So I'm thinking Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm thinking of the very end of the movie where they basically all just get like absolutely destroyed from looking at it. So I kind of went along the lines of Medusa. Okay. And... I was trying to remember who actually fought Medusa. I said like it was like Percy or someone, but I think it's, I can't remember the name of, I don't think it's right, but. Okay. Gotcha. I, I know what you're going at. Percy and Medusa <laughs> is yep. my answer. And what'd you say, Neil? Uh, so, um, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark was famously produced by George Lucas, uh, and George Lucas put E.T. in uh, some of the prequels for Star Wars. And uh, at the time, Steven Spielberg, as a little nod to his friend George, put in, I believe, C-3PO and R2-D2. C-3PO and R2-D2 wow. do appear. Wow, that's way more fictional than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> as hieroglyphics in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I got to see that scene now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That sounds, it's pretty cool. It's Perseus. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, man. they do a lot of that um, back and forth in all the movies, like little Easter eggs like that. So heading out of Neil's round, before we get into Greg's, and I'll tell you the category in a minute there, it is still a very close game. Both players got 40 points on that, so it's 125-120. I should have thought more about that Dr. Strangelove one, but that's all right. Four out of five ain't bad. So today, uh, Greg decided that he would like his category to be the NBA. So uh, Greg is a huge basketball fan. Um I we decided in talking that I wasn't going to go basketball generally because uh, I thought WNBA would be kind of a <laughs> it'd be I'd be throwing him for curveballs he didn't need. So uh, this is supposed to be the the guests category. So we went NBA. Uh, who would you like to challenge on this one, Greg? I uh, so if I challenge Ken, I feel like I'll do fairly well. But I uh, am a big fan of listening to the game of death and wanted to challenge someone at something that I think they're good at because I thought that would be fun. So I want to challenge Matt. Yeah. Bold strategy. <laughs> we'll see if it pays off. If, if I was like doing really poorly, I think I would challenge Ken. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Ken. Oh, it's all about strategy. So I accept your challenge. Perfect. All right, let's do it. All right. So, question one: uh, What Hall of Fame player is the NBA logo designed after? I'm locked in. Yeah. Same. Wow. I actually, I actually know that one. Do you? Yeah. All right, Greg. What'd you say on that one? The logo himself. Jerry West. Mm -hmm. Jerry West. Jerry West it is. Former Laker Jerry West. Question two. Why did Detroit Piston Rashid Wallace have his 2004 championship ring resized? Oh. All right. I'm locked in. Hmm. Okay. I think this is a weird answer, but I have an answer. Okay. Uh, let's start with Matt with a weird answer. Uh, they, they used to carry around these WWE championships, and I think maybe he got it like melted down into his championship belt. 
but that's all I could think of. Oh, that's a good guess because okay. that's something Rashid Wallace would definitely yeah. know. <laughs> Greg, what do you think Rashid Wallace had I, it resized for? So I originally thought it was because he got in a fight and probably broke his hand because Rashid Wallace is like an infamous like bad boy of the NBA. But I just thought it was something more wholesome, and uh, I said he got married and changed the finger it was on. So. You you are onto something. He did change the finger that it was on, but it wouldn't fit his middle finger. Uh, oh, so he had it resized to fit his middle that's... finger. Who's the guy that choked out the coach? Latrell Sprewell. Sprewell. Yeah. Sprewell. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Buddy, you should say that. There's a Latrell Sprewell question later. <laughs> the answer Sweet. is spinners. <laughs> <laughs> the original fidget spinner. <laughs> Automobile fidget spinner. All right. Question three. It wouldn't be a basketball question without a Wilt Chamberlain question. Mm -hmm. So uh, in addition to all of his other accolades and his inclusion in the NBA Hall of Fame, what other sports Hall of Fame is Wilt Chamberlain a member of? I'm in. Great. (laughs) I don't really, I'm not really sure what it is. Okay. What do you think it is? So I know Wilt Chamberlain in terms of like professional sports was, he was pretty famously, if I'm not mistaken, a Harlem Globetrotter Mm -hmm. before he was in the NBA, but... I would just imagine that that's just a, like, that would just be part of being, like, the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, But I do remember hearing that he was just, like, you know, just one of those freak athletes that was just pretty much great at everything he did. So I figured he was, like, a high school football star. And then I would imagine that he was just, like, in, like, a Football Hall of Fame because of that. So kind of kept it simple, but... What did you think on that one, Matt? So I had also heard that he was a bit of a freak athlete um, in the sense that he slept with many, many women. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's where we're going with us. He's known for sleeping with lots of ladies, so I put he was in the Pimpin' Hall of Fame. Uh, Unfortunately, technically a sport. That's that's where I got caught up. I was like, I think he is in some sort of hall. He's actually in the uh, in the International Volleyball Hall of Fame. He was a really good volleyball player. I I do remember hearing that. But I was really happy with my pimping answer, so I didn't. I think I do remember hearing that. It was grounded in logic. I mean, yeah, you know that was his deal. Yeah, look it up. Lots of women. Didn't he live in a house that had a moat? The Ric Flair of basketball. (laughs) All right. Question four. So three times in the NBA has a player made nine three-point field goals in a game with no misses. Latrell Sprewell did it with the Knicks in 2003, and this player did it twice, once as a bull and once as a piston. Mm. I don't think Ben Wallace was making too many (laughs) (laughs) three-pointers. I don't know how many he has in his career. It's got to be low. Less than five, I'd guess. It's got to be low. (laughs) Uh, Bulls Pistons famous rivals. He had like a thirty percent free throw shot. Yeah, There's no way like he was pulling up threes without yeah. a coach, coach immediately removing him from the game. He's the Andre Drummond of his time. <laughs> uh, I'm locked oh. in with an answer. Andre Drummond's good at free throws now. He is I now. Think. Yeah, jokes know. I don't understand. Sports, 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 <laughs> sports, sports, sports. <laughs> All right, everybody's in. Yep. All right, what did you think on that one, Matt? Uh, referred to as Air Gordon when he was drafted. <laughs> I went with this Ben Gordon. <laughs> You think it's Ben Gordon? Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Greg? Yeah. So um, just from the only two people that I can think of now because it's Bulls to Detroit is that I have to think of the modern era of like how many three-point shooters, like how many shots uh, people take now from three-pointer versus like the old era. So the only two people I thought was like either like Rip Hamilton or Ben Gordon. And just from the way you're saying the question, he was... He did it with the Bulls and then did it with Detroit. I have to go with Ben Gordon. So I have uh, Ben Gordon. Yeah, he did it against the Wizards in 06 and against the Nuggets in 2012. Mm -hmm. Question five. Wilt Chamberlain holds the record for both most points in a game at 100 and most points in a half at 59. However, he is not the player with the most points in a quarter. 
Who is the player that holds this record? I'm if, locked in. If he could have kept the pace up through four quarters, he would have had 148 points that game. I'm locked in. Me too. All right. What do you take on that one, Greg? This is the most infamous, I think, third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, I've ever seen in basketball oh, where shit. Clay Thompson could not miss at all. He scored 37 points. All right. Yeah. And what do you have on that one, Matt? It's Clay Thompson, but I said Tracy McGrady. Ah, yeah. Unfortunately, it is Clay Thompson. Yeah, 37 points in the third quarter. Yeah, he didn't miss a single <laughs> shot, and they yeah. just kept feeding him. Yeah, it was. it's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um, so Greg will be adding 30 to his score to go up to 150. And Matt tacked on another 20 points for Team Triviality, bringing them to 145. So still a very close game. All right, so on to the final round. So in our game of death, we present our guest with 10 categories that they can choose the five of. And so I will run through those now. First one is classical music. Second, group names. Third is vexillology. Fourth, eponyms. Five is in linguistics. Six is in geography. Seven is in chemistry. Eight is in biology. <laughs> Nine is math. Man, Jeff, these are fun. I know, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. They're so much fun. Let's <laughs> have a light game of trivia. <laughs> and the last one is in mortuary sciences. Flags. Sexology is flags. Oh. It is literally like the study and appreciation do, of flags. I'll do that as one um i'll do biology chemistry i'll take a shot at classical music okay what was the second category uh group names i'll do that one okay um so the uh so the categories as greg chose classical music group names vexillology chemistry biology so get the wagers from you guys now all right so uh, now that the wagers are in, let's go through the questions. So the first question is in classical music. This composer invented the idea of the fade-out as a way to demonstrate an idea of how far away Neptune was from the other planets. Question number two. A group of foxes is known as what? Question number three in vexillology. Which U.S. state was the first to adopt their current flag? Question number four in chemistry. Which metal melts in your hand? Which elemental metal melts in your hand? And number five in bio. A melanistic animal would be one that has traits opposite to what genetic disorder? So, so triviality um, is going to discuss. Regarding the, uh, the melanistic, the opposite of a melanistic uh, disorder, that would be albino yeah. or albinism. Yeah. Is uh, that for, yeah, okay. The metal yeah. that melts in your hand is gallium, so I'm kind of upset that we didn't bet on that. Yeah. Um, the planets. Yeah, I... Gustav Mahler? No. Uh, oh, well, it's, yeah, it's whoever did the, he did all the uh, compositions of the planets, like he did Mars. Yeah. It's Mahler? I could be wrong. I think it's, a Gustav I wrote down, is it Gustav Holt? Or something Holt? I feel like I did Steve write Holt. down Gustav, though, but it we played this in high school. Um, we played Mars. Mm -hmm. I just can't remember. All right, so let's table yeah. that one. Yeah. Foxes? I thought it was a fleet of foxes. Yeah. Oh, that sounds right. Are we thinking of the band Fleet Foxes, We are thinking too? of it, but I think okay. they're named after that. Let's go with that. Yeah. No, that's a good poll. Yeah. I'm never, I never retain... That's what I was thinking, too. ...animal groups. But that's smart. That's a good... So they obviously didn't have state flags when they were first... 
came, uh, or did they? Uh, I feel like uh, Illinois came in with the state flag, and it's got the uh, the date on it. Right. So. so my first thought was Ohio. Was it? But I this, don't. This is just a shot in the dark for me. So, um, so it, you would think it'd be one of the first like sixteen or so. You know, it'd be an early one. I mean, I'm trying to think of like simple. Well, this is bad logic, but I was just trying to think of simple flags like Alabama's the X, right? Um, I don't know if they've flew that. Do we have any any flags that would have been flown? And I have an inclination that when Illinois became a state, mm-hmm. it adopted its flag immediately. So that's uh, that's all I know on the subject. I just can't think of like really old flags that have been that way forever. You know, that are like ingrained in the culture. Mississippi. Like the Confederate flag is not Georgia, right? I and mean, that was just that's, the Confederacy, it's right? Mississippi. Mississippi. Okay. Has elements of the Confederate flag. So what do we think about the the planets? Holst? Is it Holst? It's close. I think it's Gustav Holt. I I don't know why. I, I Gustav definitely came in my my head, and you said Gustav. What were you? Mahler. It is the plant. I mean, because the more I, you say Mahler, the more I think that's wrong. So Gustav Holst. I think it's Holst. Let me think. Holst. Host. Gustav Host. Holst. Holt. Let's go with Holst. Holst. Okay. All right. So I think everyone is settled. So we uh, we commence with uh, the answer. So and Triviality had uh, a discussion about a few of these. How did you find them, Greg? Um, so I feel a little confident with some. I'll be a little embarrassed if I get a few wrong. And uh, the one that really stood out to me was the group names question. I could not. I know it's like some obscure name but I could not think for the life of me of what it was. So, Fair enough. All right, so let's go through the answers now. Uh, in classical music, uh, the wagers were 20 to Team Triviality and 10 to Greg. So what did you guys say in Team Triviality? So we, we went back and forth um, on a few things. Ken, Ken and I both thought of the name Gustav, um, and we were trying to decide between Gustav Holst, Gustav Holt, and uh, Gustav Mahler. Um, and we finally, kind of going back and forth, saying it out loud, we, we settled on uh, just the name Holst. And what did you think on that one, Greg? I really had no idea. I wasn't sure how far back I should go for classical music in terms of like who came up with this idea. I just kind of just went with Brahms. Okay. Uh, so, um, believe it or not, the, uh, as a way to show the distance of Neptune, um, Gustav Holst... So points wow, going to triviality. Wow, nice job, guys. Uh, what he did was he had the um, orchestra play, and then he slowly closed a door um, before uh, during the performance, um, so that it was cut off and it would seem kind of eerie and far out. So oh, he's uh, credited with the idea of the fade out. Cool. That's cool. Good teamwork, Neil. Yeah. Good job, Ken. I was Good also teamwork. there, and Matt was there and helped <laughs> too. And I helped too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and into number two for group names. Both teams wagering 10 on this. Both teams in a little bit of pain, it looks like. So uh, what did you say, uh, Team Triviality? So we got this. Um, basically, I was basing it on the band Fleet Foxes <laughs> with a fleet of foxes. <laughs> okay. Any thoughts on this one, Greg? What did you have? So as I was saying before, like I, I knew it was some obscure name, like, but I don't think it was like gang um, but I also went with uh, Fleet Foxes. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, nobody will be receiving uh, points. It's a skulk of foxes. Uh, skulk. I've heard uh. that before, I think. So 
Apparently, they like to skulk around. I feel like if that was mentioned in the movie Zootopia, I would have remembered it. But <laughs> they never mentioned that foxes are skulking. It's a, it's a, it's a great movie. If the band it's was so called good. Skulk Foxes. I don't know if they'd be as popular. Yeah, probably, probably not. not. <laughs> <laughs> Question three was in Vexillology. And uh, Triviality, going 10 on this one, and Greg surrendering. So what did you think, uh, Greg? Who has the uh, longest flying state flag? Um I was I was first thinking that it was based on like the original colonies, but I kind of thought that may be um, too easy, so I just picked uh, Illinois. All right, and what did you say, Team Triviality? Uh, we had a, a similar discussion. We thought Delaware might be might be too simple since it was the first state. So uh, Ken threw out Illinois, which you know seemed to work out well, and, and Matt hilarious. threw out uh, Ohio as well. But we ended up going Illinois. <laughs> Um, so Ken had mentioned in your discussion that uh, 1818 appears on the flag because um, that's basic. State of Illinois is pretty lazy. They just put the state seal on there. State seal had the year of incorporation or statehood. Um, but it's been flying since it was a territory. Hawaii has had their flag since oh. 1845 wow. when they were um, basically an overseas colony. You said Hawaii. I did, yeah. And we said, no way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, many of the other flags that you mentioned came after the Civil War and are battle flags or inspired right. by other things. So that makes sense. Yeah. So Hawaii, believe it or not, has had their own flag since when they were kind of a sovereign kingdom, sort of, <laughs> and uh, all the way up until they became the last state. I think the only Hawaii trivia thing I know is King Kamehameha, <laughs> which is always the answer whenever it's a Hawaii trivia question. We've had a few. Uh, we've had Hawaiian alphabet questions before, and we've gone through a lot of them. So Hawaii is always a bevy of trivia. So question four was in chemistry. Question was, what elemental metal melts in your hand? Wagers on this one, uh, 10 to Greg, and Triviality just given up on it. No points. Yeah. Should have bet more. Um, I sort of immediately uh, regretted picking chemistry because of this because I, I knew it was going to be something kind of uh, maybe obscure. Uh, I just went with mercury. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, Ken was not quick on this one. Uh, gallium. It is gallium. Right. So. Zero points. Is that GA? It is GA. Yeah, I actually have some out of my desk at home. It's pretty fun. <laughs> the smug um, look on Neil's totally. face. Totally. I know. I was telling you, I only know like 12. And the way I memorize that one is I go, go down to Georgia and get some gallium. <laughs> that's how I remember that, <laughs> that one. <worked. laughs> I really? That's how the teacher See, I, w- I wasn't sure if it was mercury just because like I know with Mer- thermometers, right. like it, like you have to be at a certain temperature for it. Right. You know, you know, you know what I'm thinking? Like at 98.6, right. like no. that's your body temperature. Right. So it would melt in your hand. So the the thing about mercury is it um it would be what's considered room temperature like seventy degrees yeah it would still be liquid uh, but gallium's melting point's about eighty three degrees okay. so it's solid in at a in room temperature and it will melt in your hand oh that makes so. sense because at room temperature if it got solid maybe it, like it would probably break the thermometer yep I figured it might be a medical question that you were trying to help me out with so. <laughs> and, if, no and, and if it was mercury and I didn't know it I would have been embarrassed. <laughs> So, no, you're on the right track. It's one of the few metals that uh, is liquid at a relatively safe temperature to, to touch. I wouldn't touch mercury directly, but mm-hmm. uh, gallium safe. So have fun with it. I have some at home. All right. Last don't question. Drink don't, yeah, don't, don't drink it. You, don't have, think, you don't just have it. gallium at home? I do. Yeah. <laughs> on my desk. Pretty cool. It's pretty great. Um, <laughs> I keep it in a glass <laughs> container. <laughs> uh, question five is in biology. So uh, triviality going 10 on this and Greg going 20. So let's see uh, what Greg said on the high wager. 
So the only reason why I think I was able to get this is because you said genetic. I was thinking of conditions that cause like depigmentation changes. So my mind immediately went to like vitiligo, which like is just a complication of your skin where you get depigmentation. Um, but I don't think that's genetic. So the only else thing I could think which was brought to me from the movie Powder is albinoism. Mm -hmm. And would you say triviality? Yeah, we didn't think of the movie, but it's a great movie. Uh, <laughs> we said albinoism. Yeah, being uh, being albino or having albinism, I believe it is, um, would be the opposite of having uh, too much melanin in your skin and having almost none at all. Yeah. So both uh, both teams getting points is it, on is that it albinism? one. Did I say it wrong? I believe it's albinism, yeah. Al albinoism. I said what Greg said. I didn't want to sound stupid. <laughs> failed no i just sound stupid adding in the final scores uh greg got one right but it wasn't enough he dropped 10 points off his score triviality adds 10 so triviality is this week's cream of the crop 155 crop. to 140 why continue just let me pass you have forgotten that i too am not afraid of death appropriate for basketball today well that and also game of death, game of death. What oh, a what a death. final, or what a crazy final round! Yeah, very close. This was our closest game of death, I think. Yeah, yeah. by far. And it, again, it's designed to be difficult. It's designed to be an uphill climb for our our guests. So uh, one of these days we're gonna get taken down, but today is not that day. Greg did mention to me uh, before coming on the show, uh, as it wasn't mentioned, we are friends. Uh, he was he was very concerned that he wouldn't do very well, and I gotta tell you, you did probably better than I would have. Um, especially going solo against these guys. And so frank you and can't, frankly, you if, can't, he had, uh, if he had uh, been uh, less courageous and challenged me to basketball, he probably would have won. Yeah, probably. But uh, props to Greg. But hey, if you want to be the best, you gotta you gotta beat the best. That's right. So that's why I went up against Matt, which is very commendable. You want to go up against, you know, who's going to give you the the hardest fight. And I don't think we've ever had anybody do that. So the fact that you did that and were the it was the closest game yet, that's commendable. You brave heart, man. You brave. <laughs> I'm Braveheart. I'm Braveheart. I'm braver than you. Hey, brave. You Braveheart, man. Anything you'd like to plug, Greg, while you're here uh, before no. we kick you out on the street? Uh, no, thanks, guys. It was a real <laughs> pleasure to be here. Um, I'll continue to randomly show up at your Monday night trivia's that you guys commonly attend, and uh, I'll probably not help as much as or do as well as I did today in terms of my <laughs> contribution to the trivia team, but. This was fun. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good time. Thank you. It was, good. it was good. Yeah, before you leave, just to come to the bathroom, I have to show you something. Let me know if it's okay. <laughs> uh. I, don't, I have no comment. <laughs> uh, so, well, I'm also uh, not on the clock yet. So, yes. Uh, again, thanks to Greg for joining us in the studio. If you would like to uh, get in touch with us, best way to do that would be just go right to our website, trivialitypodcast.com. There we've got links to our Facebook, Twitter, and our uh, email address. So you can send us those question five submissions. Uh, we do very much appreciate those when we see them. Uh, if you'd like to support the show directly in any capacity, um, I have David Levisay to thank for his recent contribution of $20 a month, which is really generous. Uh, we're very excited about. Um, so I think uh, now I think, Neil, is the time, you think, to announce. Uh, we're going to be going to Geek Bowl this year. Uh, <laughs> Uh, tickets, uh, just recently went on sale. So we've gotten those. 
I assume. Oh, this no, won't they're, go up for a few weeks. Well, yeah. So <laughs> they're December thirteenth. So whether this was released then or now, we will we will have gotten tickets. Right. So we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be going to Geek Bowl. So your contributions uh, help us um, out a lot here uh, covering our costs. Um, so we're we're trying to ramp up a little bit. Uh, we'd like to be able to spend some of that money uh, on outreach and. Um, we're probably going to try and do some things while we're there to engage with you guys. We'd like to meet with all of you who'd like to see us while we're out there, if you're able to come. Uh, if not, we're probably going to do some uh, content out there, maybe, you know, to send back uh, and put live on air uh, once we get back. So uh, we're very excited about that. We're looking forward to the opportunity to go out there and uh, hopefully meet and engage with a lot of you who enjoy the show. Yeah, we're uh, we're looking to uh, maybe do some some episodes, some late on me's there. We'll be out for different dinners, drinks, uh, maybe some get together. So if you're wanting to meet up with us uh, and we haven't spoken before about it, uh, make sure to reach out and say, hey, we'd love to, to hang out with you guys for a little bit or uh, go to a local uh, pub trivia game there before the actual event on Saturday. Uh, we have some things that are in the works that we're really excited about, but we'll have more on that later, um, talking with uh, the Geeks Who Drink folks. And, uh, and yeah, any, any help you guys can give uh, you know, in the areas of Patreon uh, is definitely going to help this trip because we're going to get some uh, equipment, hopefully, that will make us a little bit more mobile in Boston so we can come to your hotel room, you can come to ours, and you don't even have to pay for it. So it's just going to be a fun time. Uh, that was a prostitution joke, but no one got it. Uh, but yeah, uh, it should be a fun time. We're, we're really excited, and, uh, and we look forward to seeing you all there. Thanks, Neil. So on behalf of uh, the team of Triviality, Ken, Matt, Neil, and myself, and thanks again to our guest, Greg, that was Triviality. I mean, we must be increasingly on the alert to prevent them from taking over other mineshaft space in order to breed more prodigiously than we do, thus knocking us out in superior numbers when we emerge. Mr. President, we must not allow a mineshaft gap. Sir. I have a plan. <laughs> Man,